All right, good evening, everyone. If you, if you didn't get an outline, there's some outlines at the doors or somewhere around here. Scott, if you can turn this up, please, I'd appreciate it. Good to see all of you tonight. Isaiah chapter 42 is where we find our place tonight. Isaiah chapter 42. If you're, if you're in the choir, we're honored to have you. I know that you don't have that opportunity to be involved on time with us on Wednesday nights, but we're, we're glad you're here. And if you're a guest, welcome. We're honored to have you. May the Lord bless you. These are special days. So on uh, Scott, bring that up a little bit more, would you please? Uh, on um, Saturday, uh, we asked that you come out and help us. So we had, if I Patty, if I don't get it, where's Patty at? If I don't get it right, two hundred. We had two hundred volunteers here, uh, three hundred and some odd cars. I don't know, uh, four to six in a car. Um, and uh, so our estimates are, you know, we provided food to some of our own people, but we also fed, uh, provided food for uh, over 1,300 people. Amen. So um, it tells you the great need. And uh, uh, of course, uh, Chris mentioned and Brother Gary uh, Vincent, we're trying to find out with uh, Southern Baptist Relief what we can do in Cumberland Furnace and Clarksville. Out, so we have lots of things going on there. And of course, thank you, choir and Brother Jeff. Brother Jeff's in here. What in the world? Wait a minute. Jeff's in here. Uh, it, was an, it was a wonderful, honorable time. I think we should say thank you to Brother Jeff, the choir. Um, lots and lots of people here, lots of guests, well over 800 people. It was a great day for us. If you're um, with us tonight for the first time, on Wednesday nights we just take, we take God's Word and we go verse by verse and slow, slow it down and look at these wonderful, glorious truths. So these days I'm talking you know, to the church on Wednesday nights about the glory of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Shauna, and all the rest for singing that. There emerges out of these pages... There emerges out of these pages in the Old Testament a significant one. One who changed the world. Who still changes the world. Out of the pages of the Word of God, only one from the Gospel promise in the garden that God made to the devil about his head being crushed, the seed of the woman, will be born. And that is the Lord Jesus. I want us to read just a few verses and then I'm going to ask you to also find in your Bible Acts chapter 8 because I want to talk to you about a very important method of learning how to read the Old Testament. So first, uh, and I've thrown you off, so okay, go find Acts chapter 8. I shouldn't have said it. Go find Acts chapter 8. Hold your finger there and uh, everybody get there and then we'll come back. And then we'll read these tremendous words uh, that we have tonight. We'll focus primarily tonight on verses 2 and 3. All right, Isaiah 42. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He 
will not cry out or raise his voice, nor make his voice heard in the street. And here we have it. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless the reading of your word. We know that the greatest need people have, though we seek to do our best to feed them, to help them when they're in a difficult place of housing and needs in their family, the greatest need is that people turn to Jesus and believe in Him and experience eternal life. May all that we do here always be about leading people to Jesus. May that be our greatest ambition and priority as a church. Lay upon the hearts of the brothers and sisters who are in this room tonight and all of our people the one that you would lead their way so that they can share the gospel. Forgive us when we do not obey you and carry out your commands to us, Lord Jesus. We repent and we ask that you'd give us a new opportunity to say to someone, turn to Jesus. Now help us tonight, Holy Spirit. You filled the prophets with these words that they were given to speak about the Lord Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, help us to hear them and understand them. And we thank You for that blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My servant, behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. Now notice the pronouns. Notice the pronouns. He. He. My servant. The one whom I uphold. The one who is my chosen. The one in whom is filled with the fullness of the Spirit of God. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise His voice, nor make His voice heard in the streets. A bruised reed He will not break. A dimly burning wick He will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. The preaching of Isaiah is, um, is masterful. Only, only can be explained by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we know Peter tells us that the prophets spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, speaking the predictions that the Holy Spirit was giving them. So, how do we come to read our Old Testament? What is it that we must learn that all of us must practice? No matter how long you've studied the Word of God, what is it that we must see in the pages of Scripture? Well, I have a wonderful example for you in Acts chapter 8. So we'll come back to 42, but let me just show you this because it's a wonderful, wonderful principle that we all must keep in mind as we read the Old Testament. So this is Acts chapter 8, verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. 
Pentecost. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up, join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. He's reading it out loud as he's riding along in the chariot on this desert road. An Ethiopian official, dignified government official to the queen, reading the book of Isaiah. Philip's running alongside now. Do you understand what you are reading? He said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Now we get to some wonderful words. 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning from the Scripture, from this passage. Isaiah, we know it. We know this. He preached Jesus to him. Isn't that wonderful? He used Isaiah to preach Jesus. So here's the lesson, and I gave it to you here. Uh, please tell me of whom the prophet, well, who's he speaking? This is a primary, this is for all of you who study your Bible. You must ask this question when you're reading it. Who is the he? Who is the he? Is it the prophet himself? Who is he? Please tell me. Who is he speaking about? Of himself or someone else? So I mentioned to you last week, you know, um, if you've ever had a picture made with a group, you always look for yourself in the picture. You know, if it's a big group of people. The same is true when we come to the Old Testament. Do you, where do you find Jesus in the Old Testament? Some of you are teachers in here and the importance is for us to discover what the Lord Jesus did after His resurrection. Remember, He's walking on the road and He opened to them the Scriptures. They didn't have a New Testament. They had the Old Testament. And from the prophets and the Psalms and the law of God, Jesus showed them all things that were wrote, written about Him. The Word of God, the Word of God from beginning to end is a glorious book about the Lord Jesus. Amen. There is no greater subject. There is no greater person. There is no greater theme um, for all of us today. The one who saved you is the one you worship and you honor and you glorify. You follow. You seek to do what He does. God only has one servant. His name is Jesus. And we are servants of the servant of God. And that's our challenge in these days in which we live. What does the world need to see from the church? That we are servants of the servant of God. And we live to be those people. 
Number one, Jesus Christ, the servant of God, came to earth with humility without publicity. He didn't have a publicity campaign. The kings of the earth would come and make way. We read it earlier. We read it earlier as we started this study in Isaiah 40. Uh, a voice is calling, Isaiah 43, A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. We know that that's John the Baptist preaching. This strange fellow who had a strange diet, who wore strange clothes, who lived in the desert, was the advance party for the Lord Jesus. You'd have thought God would do better than that. That's it. That's His publicity. And people were worried about it, weren't they? Who? Are you the Messiah? No. I'm not, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm just one who cries in the wilderness. Here's the point. The kings always in the ancient world would make their way and they would clear the way and they would prepare their entourage and make their way across in grand, glorious fashion. The Lord Jesus came with humility, without publicity, born in a manger. You notice here in verse 2, He will not cry out or raise His voice. Who's this servant? He doesn't self-promote. Are we listening? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm not a self-promoter. I lose myself. In order, I deny myself in order to follow Jesus. The Lord Jesus emptied Himself and became a servant. Philippians 2. Most of you in this room know that very well. He will not cry out or raise His voice, nor make His voice heard in the street. The point is He won't draw attention to Himself. How many times, and by the way, some of you are new with us, and you'll notice I've given you a line there in your outline, Targums. The Targums are those, please forgive those of you who are with us, the Targums were a paraphrase in the Aramaic language uh, for Jews who did not know Hebrew when they were coming back from Babylon. The language of Babylon was Aramaic. So the Targum, if I give it to you on the outline, that's simply a paraphrase of the Old Testament text. Notice how the Targum reads, He shall not cry out or shout aloud or make His voice heard in the streets. How many times did the Lord say in the Gospels after He healed somebody? Have you ever noticed it? Don't tell anybody. Have you all ever seen that in your Bible? Don't tell anybody. They never did what He said, did they? They went and told everybody. The Lord would heal them. And of course, they're all standing in the room. Now, don't tell anybody. What? They all saw it. The point is, He came, like the old preacher Sib says, the coming of Jesus was modest and mild. The first coming. The first coming. I hope you hear me. The second coming, not modest and not mild. Amen. It will be another day. A very powerful day. But here we see now, Isaiah 42, we point now to this first coming of the servant of the Lord. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does He do? Look at the sweetness of this and look at His, look at His mildness. Have you ever thought about that as you read the Gospels? The Lord Jesus' mildness? He was mild. He was meek and mild. If I'm saved by the grace of God, it settles down the wildness in my life and produces in me meekness. You know, that's a mark of whether somebody's really saved or not. If they're still acting like a wild man, they're probably not saved. When the Lord Jesus saves us, 
He takes the wildness out and makes us meek. But look at the Lord. He comes tenderly caring for the bruised. I'm speaking to a group of you, and I know most of you very well. You know me. We all in this room have been bruised. The Hebrew word for bruised here, he will a bruised reed. He will not break. The, the Hebrew word for bruised is the word that means a crushed reed. A reed that's been crushed, stepped on, or pushed aside, or the wind's blown it apart. A bruised reed. You know, bruises are visible. You know how something happens to you and somebody, you know, it's really aggravating. People are asking you, well, what happened to you? Bruises are visible. Bruises are tender to the touch. Bruises are caused by some kind of a, of a, of a hit or some kind of violence. Bruises are slow to heal. We're bruised people. So when we go to share with people, if we only help them with their comfort needs and don't share the gospel, we've not done our job. Doing our humanitarian work as believers is vital, but it leads to sharing the gospel because the world is filled with bruised people. When was the last time you looked at the most radical, hateful, godless sinner hater of God, hater of the church, and you thought, that's a bruised person. It's the way we must see them. It's the way the Lord saw them. Here before the Gospels were ever written, look, this is, this is well, my friends, this is well uh, close to a thousand years prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus. Jesus came to a world of bruised people in their sinfulness when He was born in the manger. When God sent His Son in the fullness of time, He sent Him to a bruised world. Jesus came to save the bruised people in their sinfulness. He didn't tell them to get their bruises cleaned up and then come. He came to them in their bruised condition. And He delivered them. I wanted you to see this because it's beautiful. In Matthew chapter 20, 12, excuse me, Matthew chapter 12, there's a lot going on in Matthew chapter 12, but I want you to see because this passage, Isaiah 42, is written by, is spoken of by Matthew because this is, the, the ministry of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels was a fulfillment of these words. And so I'll just read this one portion of it here, Matthew 12. Jesus tenderly heals and cares for the bruised. Many followed Him and He healed them all. Look at that. I, I, I've printed it for you because we can't look all these up. Did you see that? Here's what the Lord Jesus did. Here's the ministry of, of not breaking a bruised reed. Many followed Him. He healed them all and warned them not to tell who He was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Behold my servant whom I've chosen. And it goes on, quotes the rest of it. A battered reed He will not break off. A battered reed He will not break off. I want you to consider this. The bruise of spiritual blindness and the bruise of spiritual lameness. The bruise of spiritual pride and selfishness. The bruise of despair and emotional misery. The Lord Jesus is the one who was bruised, Isaiah 53, for us. In our, if I can use this word, bruisedness. That's why Jesus died. He died for a world of people bruised. 
you and I are bruised. The problem with some in their arrogance is they don't want to admit they're bruised. But in their lonely moment when they lay their head down and no one else is around, when the alcohol fades away or the drugs or whatever problem, whatever their preoccupation with possessions or whatever their self-love, they have those moments and they know they are bruised and they have no hope and they need Jesus. What did the Lord say? We read it before, Luke 4.18 from Isaiah. He was sent to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are oppressed. That's what somebody is... When someone's bruised, they're oppressed. So may we remember today, you know, you can't share the gospel if you don't see the need for the gospel. And that's what we're working on as a church. And I'm desperately appealing to us as a church. It's time to wake up and it's time to tell people about Jesus every day, all the time, everywhere. Because Jesus is coming again. Jesus Christ, the servant of God, came gently restoring hope to the hopeless. Look at this. A dimly burning wick He will not extinguish. It's a smoking wick. There's just a little flicker. You know, you put the candle out. You put the candle out, but there's just a little bit of red. There's just a little tiny bit on the wick and the smoke is coming up. It's not quite out, but it's almost completely out. That's hopelessness. Do you know anybody living in hopelessness? There's a world of people living in hopelessness. And Jesus came to a world of dimly burning wicks. Jesus came to restore hope in God. Jesus came to, prom to promise hope for those who would trust Him. I, just, I, I, don't, I wish we had time, but if we took time to go to Matthew 9, all of these unbelievable stories that happen here and what the Lord does with people, but I've picked up the end of each of these experiences. You know what He says? Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. When the, when the wick is just about to go out, when there's no hope, when everything's gone, everything's lost, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. Look at this dear story. When he entered into the house, the two blind men came up to him and said to, to him, do, and the Lord Jesus said to the two blind men, do you believe that I am able to do this, to heal them, to give them their sight? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then He touched their eyes, saying, It shall be done to you according to your faith. Here we read, Behold My servant whom I uphold, My chosen one in whom My soul delights. I have put My Spirit upon Him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry out or raise His voice, nor make His voice heard in the street. A bruised reed He will not break. That's the Gospel. That's what we preach. He will not break. And a dimly burning wick He will not extinguish. So consider tonight the hopelessness of lostness. You know the rich can be hopelessly lost. You do know that, don't you? You know the intelligent and smart and the intellectual and the, they can be hopelessly lost and they are. It's not just the poor and the broken. It's every person without Christ. 
boys and girls, everyone. Think about the uh, qualities of hopelessness, pain, misery, helplessness, shamefulness, immobilized by conditions of life. How did Paul say it? I've, saw, I've said it on the back page of your outline. Remember that you were at that time, he's talking to the Ephesian church about being saved. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, and I've highlighted it for you, having no hope and without God in the world. You know, the saddest thing I've done in my ministry life, and, I, and, I, and I'm always available, and I tell, uh, I've told Brother Steve Spann, and I've told the other funeral people, you know, if, if people don't have anybody to do their funeral service, I'm happy to come and help. But you know, when you do that, generally it's people who do not know the Lord. And you know, the saddest thing is to sit with somebody who doesn't know how to have a funeral. You know what I'm talking about? They have no idea. So it ends up being, you know, we're going to put a bunch of junk in the casket and we're going to play silly songs and we're going to... And you then, you know, the, the good news of that, you share the gospel. I try to share the gospel with the family and do the rest. But you see, you see in full view uh, what it means to have no hope and be without God in the world. I've done funerals where if I didn't pray, nobody was going to pray. But don't worry. If I'm going to be there, I'm going to pray. And we're going to talk about Jesus. But the point is I'm only saying, friends, look, we go out of this place. We go out of here and uh, these words of Isaiah, here's His servant filled with the Spirit. And how does He act filled with the Spirit? He does not self-promote, verse 2. And He does not break bruised reeds. And He does not put out Burnly, uh, dim, dimly burning wicks. That's what needs to happen when people come to our church. Amen. We meet them where they are. We do not judge them. Amen. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He shall bring forth the true way, the Targum reads. And the Lord did that in His first coming, didn't He? Jesus came to show the only way to have a relationship with God. What did He say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came to faithfully fulfill all the demands of the law. Free from the law, happy condition, Jesus had died and there's remission. I'm breaking into a hymn. But that's it. Free from the law. Oh, happy condition. Aren't you all glad you don't have to line up on Saturdays bringing up your animals so we can turn on the fire and slit throats and burn blood and pour? Aren't you glad? Free from the law. So you notice in Philippians 3.8 that I may be found in Him, Paul's testimony. It should be ours. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Notice the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith in who? In Jesus Christ, the, the absolute complete fulfiller of the law. And then Jesus came faithfully, becoming our substitute to satisfy. See, this is it. He will faithfully bring forth justice. How will He do it? by becoming the sacrifice. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. All right, my friends, what do we remember tonight as we finish? Well, Matthew 20, 28. What did the Lord say? We often quote it. So, 
God sent His Son. God sent the servant. The only servant. And Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. The Lord knew His assignment. The question is, as followers of Jesus, do we know ours? You know, I've spent a long time in my life with a lot of Baptists. I'm not fussing about it. It's my job. It's my assignment. It's my calling. And I love it. But you know, I've found a lot of Baptists who want to be served. They want it this way or that way. And if they don't get their way, then they're going to be like the four-year-old at my house. They're going to take their toys and run over here and pout and be sad and act silly. Isn't time gone by enough for us to move on and say, you know what, for the remainder of my life, I'm going to serve Jesus and everybody else. And I don't care what I have to do. I did not come to be served. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, you're not greater than your Master. Do what He did. So we're reminded, uh, He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. So we come to the throne of grace, don't we? To find help in time of need. So what do I say to you, my friends? Oh, come, let us adore Him. Right? Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Now, don't panic, those of you here for the first night. We're not going to sing this hymn. Brother Jeff's here and we could work on it, but we're not. But I'm convicted about, uh, as I said this last week, and I'm not going to elaborate. I want to try to finish a little ahead of time, but we have a lot of things to do after tonight. But I'm going to be talking to our church more, and I'm, I'm convicted, and Jeff and I talk about it, and I've mentioned it to the other pastors we need to do some more work on hymnody. That doesn't mean that all the other songs and the spiritual songs and the praise we do, that we're throwing something out. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there is a rich theological teaching method to the hymns. They've been with us since the beginning. We have hymns that come out of the very Word of God and we have wonderful, unbelievable, rich heritage of hymns. Well, the next generation must know them however we do it. And so what I'm going to be doing each week is trying to bring along a hymn that meets the theme that we're looking at. And probably no one in this room has ever sung Gentle Jesus. Has anybody here ever sung it? Scott? Well, there you are. There's always one in every crowd. I'm not going to ask you to get up and sing it. But tonight we'll read this and this will be our affirmation and our praise to the Lord and then we'll pray and we'll go. God bless you all. I love you. I thank the Lord for you. And so we we got work to do. So go have Christmas and let's go to work. As I said, you know, a lot of people be real worried if Jesus came on Christmas Day. You're not thinking about it, are you? Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. Charles Wesley, you know, is the brother of John Wesley. These two brothers were very instrumental in the founding of the Methodist Church. Charles Wesley was the 18th child born in his family. I'm not making it up. You can go Google it because people never trust me. He wrote over 3,000 hymns. Gentle Jesus, and you should go get a book and look at some of them. They're unbelievable. Forget the tune. Just read the poem. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child, 
Pity my simplicity, suffer me to come to Thee. Fain I would to Thee be brought, gracious Lord, forbid it not. In the kingdom of Thy grace, give a little child a place. Fain I would be as Thou art, give me Thy obedient heart. Thou art pitiful and kind, let me have Thy loving mind. Let me above all fulfill God my heavenly Father's will. Never His good spirit grieve, only to His glory live. Lamb of God, I look to Thee. Thou shalt my example be. Thou art gentle, meek, and mild. Thou wast once a little child. Thou didst live to God alone. Thou didst never seek Thine own. Thou thyself didst never please. God was all thy happiness. Loving Jesus, gentle Lamb, in thy gracious hands I am. Make me, Savior, what thou art. Live thyself within my heart. I shall then show forth thy praise, serve thee all my happy days. Then the world shall also see Christ, the holy child, in me. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, may Jesus be seen in us. To the glory of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. Say hello to someone on your way out. We have some who are guests here tonight. Make sure you say hello to them. And uh, Merry Christmas. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday.